0: Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals about their experience of eating disorders with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals, so tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. Hello everybody, it's Han from Full of Beans. In this week's episode, I'm joined by Lucy Gotter. Lucy is a third year medical student who has personal experience of an eating disorder, of hypothalamic amenorrhea and of being in sport. Lucy joins me today to discuss the impact that having an eating disorder had on her menstrual cycle and the implications this has had for her health. We also discuss her medical experience and how having an eating disorder has shaped her wanting to work in the industry but also what she's learned along the way about eating disorders. We do talk about eating disorder behaviours, and so this may be triggering for some individuals. If this is the case, please remember that this episode will always be here, and it's something you can come back to. Just remember to look after yourself. So without further ado, here is this week's podcast with Lucy Gotter. Good. I'm good, apart from my freaking... Honestly, every single time I record a podcast, my cat, so my partner is currently away. I swear to God, they are being so naughty. Um, <laughs> okay, I came downstairs this morning and there was just plant pots all over the place. There was oh, just, no. Uh, <laughs> taking it upon themselves that my AirPods are their favourite toy.
1: It's just like, you've been very naughty whilst standing away and it's just me. <laughs> oh, how many cats do you have? One or two? We've got two.
0: Um, one of them is equally as beautiful as he is naughty, and the other <laughs> one is equally as stupid as he is beautiful.
1: oh <laughs> But they're very cute. Have you got any pets? I have not got any pets. No, I did have a dog, but sadly she died recently. But oh no, no pets at the moment. They are part of the family, aren't they? So Yeah,
0: absolutely. And like I mean, I'm not great at being home alone, but with the cats, I'm like, well, I'm not.
1: Home yeah, alone. It, yeah, it feels like there's it definitely, feels mm-hmm. the house feels like less empty, doesn't it? When there's, like, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah just definitely. Little, little shits running around.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: dear. Anyway, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm doing OK. Yeah, yeah. doing well. Um,
0: yeah. yeah, I'm super excited to chat with you. Um so you said that you were a medical student which yeah sounds amazing so what year are you in
1: so i'm in my third year um of medicine i'm at at lancaster university um so sort of like starting to look into more specialties this year which is really interesting um so i've done i've covered some of like the and amenorrhea stuff as part of my um like obs and gynae rotation and also thought about it a bit in psychiatry so yeah it's been yeah i've been interested
0: how much of it is kind of known about in the psychiatry department because i i don't know i imagine that in obs and Giny, it's something that's spoken about quite a lot but then
1: yeah psychiatry i don't know
0: what your experience has been
1: i suppose i think um like eating disorders in general there's not much um exposure for medical students definitely and that's something that I think um medical schools are trying to address a bit more I think a lot of people um are unaware of it and then that's reflected in like when you go and, when people go and see a GP it's often unrecognized for a long time until it is really really obvious so I think by sort of um like exposing medical students to it is hoping to like improve that Uh, in the future so sort of as part of psychiatry um when we looked at eating disorders and covered some of the um like signs and symptoms uh, like loss of periods was something that came up um quite a bit and it's definitely something that that i've experienced in in my my experience of an eating disorder and it's something that's really common and it's also like it can have so many consequences so it's something that needs to be taken really seriously yeah,
0: yeah, and I mean all of those things that you just kind of said there, I'm sure we'll we'll come on to. Yeah, definitely, because I think they're all so important. But something I just really wanted to ask you a little bit more about was you said like that medical medical schools, I guess, are trying to teach more about eating disorders, mm-hmm. um, and you know I think there's, there was quite a big push for we need to learn more about eating disorders. So yeah, that's something that you've learned because you've been on placement or is there like a specific
1: element within a module now that discusses eating disorders there is um we did we do have some teaching on it um at Lancaster which I mean I'm not sure sort of how much is taught in other medical schools but I can only go on my experience there um and we have had a little bit of teaching on it so like a couple of lectures I think when we're on placement I I've had very little exposure to patients with eating disorders. Um and it's more sort of speaking to patients with like depression and anxiety when I'm on psychiatric wards. Um, so so the exposure still isn't like there for medical students. Um, I think a lot of that might be because obviously people with eating disorders are often younger. So um, like 15, 16 is sort of when people like most commonly present with eating disorders. So and we are often on uh, adult wards speaking to older patients, so that's partly why we don't get to speech to as many patients there, so a lot of the teaching is sort of like theory, so looking at um like the epidemiology, the symptoms, and the long term effects really and um, so yeah, it's good that we do get some teaching, but I think there's still there's still quite a long way to go in clinical practice really, yeah,
0: I guess from your personal experience of mm. disorder, how accurate do you think what they're then teaching in the medical school is? Because I I don't know from my perspective when we just talk about like epidemiology and signs and symptoms yeah. it's often very like not that accurate, but it's yeah to kind of educate on
1: everyone's experiences. Mm. I think because everyone's experience is so different, like my experience can be completely different to someone else who's supposedly got the same sort of diagnosis as me and I think like definitely the teaching I had it's focuses very much on like the most common and I think there's still those sort of like stereotypes that everyone is um like a young female and they're really underweight and it's just not like that and um I think so I think that's why it's so hard maybe for people to recognise it and also because it does go unrecognized for so long, um, that shows that there is still like such a long way to go for people to uh, like GPs identifying eating disorders and things like that. And I think as well, a lot of the symptoms that um they sort of talk about in like teaching people, they don't apply to everyone and they often focus on the extreme cases, whereas a lot of people can be struggling they may not look like they're struggling as such, or they may not be sort of at the extreme, the extreme end of having an eating disorder, but they're still, they're still really struggling mentally and physically as well. Like I know for me personally, I had no idea the effects I was, the damage I was causing my body inside because I always looked okay. And nobody probably would have been able to guess how much I was struggling. and the effects it was having on me so I think that's why we've still got such a long way to go in educating and like raising awareness really
0: yeah yeah I think you've knocked nail on the head and that's something that I was thinking about when you were saying about sort of that clinical exposure from what you said it doesn't sound like you have masses of clinical exposure no eating disorders but on a psychiatric ward you know Excuse me if I am wrong, but I would imagine that the people that, you know, if they do go to hospital are going to be people with, you know, very severe eating disorders. Definitely. At maybe a very critically low weight, predominantly anorexia. And then you have the issue of people then see that and think, okay, that's an eating disorder. So then, like you say, when it comes to, you know, being out, maybe being a GP and coming across somebody... Things like bulimia, binge eating disorder, Mm. or if someone has anorexia and they're not at critically low weight, Mm. just wouldn't be recognised because they've not seen it in their practice. And I think it's it's really difficult because we do have so many stigmas associated with eating disorders, which almost being in a clinical setting perpetuates that because you only get to see the people that are severely underweight um, because, you know, more often than not people with binge eating disorder aren't the ones admitted to hospital
1: that's yeah that's exactly what i found and i think like like you say if you're admitted to hospital you are you know you might be being fed via an NG tube you are you are in a a critical condition but i've read statistics recently that only six percent of people with eating disorders are significantly underweight and i think by sort of focusing just on that that really severe, those severe cases, it can sort of invalidate other people struggling a little bit and make you think, well, I'm not in that position. So I'm fine. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have an eating disorder. I'm nothing like that. I'm fine. But that's, that's not the case. And that's something that like, it took me a really long time to get my head around. And I was sort of adamant that no, I'm fine. Like, look how I could be. I'm fine. But in reality, it's, only such a small minority of patients who are in that condition. And so that's why it's so important like for GPs to recognise early if someone is struggling, mm. instead of saying sort of things like, Well, look, your BMI is still healthy, your weight's still healthy, so you're okay. You you know, and I know that's that's sort of what I was told. I was said, well, your BMI is still in the healthy range, so we can't do anything but that's sort of not what someone who is struggling needs to hear because it makes you think, well, okay, so I'm still all right. So to get help, I need to lose more weight. And that's sort of, I had those thoughts going on in my head for a long time. And I think a lot of people do. Yeah. I think undoubtedly, um,
0: I think, you know, to be told your weight isn't low enough mm. to get support for quite a weight centric condition. Yeah. Um, if, if, it shows just a massive lack of understanding, but also a lack of Definitely. resources and ability to help people that, you know, I've always thought, you know, if you're able to help people in that position that are coming to you because they've recognised that something is impacting their life, to help them before things do get super critical yeah. to go into hospital, surely that's going to save you a hell of a lot of time and money. Um, yeah. And we know that like early intervention is, is really useful for that. But I guess just to talk a bit more about your personal experience, Mm. what was your experience with an eating disorder?
1: Um, So it started sort of when I was about 15, 16, um, it started with sort of probably, I'd say, like good intentions in my eyes. Like I just wanted to lose a little bit of weight. I thought if I sort of adjust my diet a little bit, um, I I can help myself there. And it, it very quickly sort of just spiraled out of control really, which is something a lot of people do say. I cut out sort of like carbohydrates. Um, I started really seeing foods as either good or bad. And I was eating a really, really restricted diet from quite quickly really after I made those decisions. Um, and it was, it was pretty much just like vegetables and minimal carbohydrates. Um, I decided to go vegetarian I always when people asked me why I always said oh well I just don't like meat but you know that wasn't true really um when I was younger I used to love like a bacon sandwich and things like that but um it was just all part of that that control and that restrict restricting of my diet really and I suppose it's just something I thought I could control um and then sort of things just got worse and worse i think when you when you're striving for something with no sort of end goal it becomes so easy to just lose control completely and when i lost a little bit of weight i wanted to lose more and that just kept going for a long time really um i lost my period completely i think i went i went about 4 or 5 three or three and a half four years and i didn't have a period at all um i was freezing cold all the time my hair was like really thin and brittle um and I I just I really neglected myself for a long time and on top of that I was exercising a lot as well and I was exercising on like sort of like no source of energy really um and that's yeah that just kept going and I think it got a lot worse when I went to university sort of moving away from home with like an added stress and I don't know when I felt sort of stressed and under pressure particularly around exam time and things that's when I thought well one thing I can control is what I eat and so I just became really really restrictive and I think when people say things like oh you you have such a good sense of control around food like oh I wish I could I wish I had that sort of like self-discipline it makes you think oh like Wow, I'm good at this. And then you keep going. So things like in school when we had like cake rounds and people would like bring in cake and biscuits and stuff, I'd always say, oh, no, no, I don't want one. And people would be, oh, like, I wish I could say no. And oh, you have, so, you know, you're so good at saying no to these foods. But that, you know, looking back now, it's, it's nothing to, it's nothing to be proud of at all. It's, it's the opposite really because I'm just depriving myself. Um, and it took me until, September of last year to finally admit and recognize that I did have a problem um I remember telling my mum for the first time um it was right just in September just before I just as I was starting third year medicine and I was just yeah I just I think I was in such a bad place at that time I just thought well I can't go on like this anymore I, I need help um and yeah that's how I got to Got to finally start to get some help, really. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much for sharing. It sounds
0: like it was a, a really tough period, and I think with yeah. the comments from other people as well, almost validating the experiences yeah. that you were having, which to you are so negative. I think mm. it's really then hard to kind of realise that this is an issue that I need to break away from when everyone's congratulating yeah. me for it. And I'm just really interested. Um so you were mentioning about sort of the losing your period and and your hair loss and and stuff like that. And when you lost your period, how did you feel about that?
1: Um well I I started my periods very late. I think I was I was about sixteen when I sort of started them and I had a few periods in a row and at that time I'd already sort of started engaging in these negative of um behaviors and so when I lost my period at first I didn't really I didn't understand why um and then because I became very like obsessed with calories and like just losing weight in general really I realized that sort of people who are uh, like a low body weight often do lose their periods and I think at first I was just so like I had such tunnel vision and that's that was like the only thing I cared about was was my diet and and losing weight and being this version of myself that I wanted to be then, that I sort of initially saw it as like a positive, or at least part of me did. Part of me thought, okay, like this is working. Like clearly I'm, I'm losing weight if I'm losing my period as well. And I think it also like it didn't help that being a competitive swimmer at the time as well, I remember like coach is saying to me you might find as you're training more and as you're doing like aerobic sort of training that you do don't get your period and that's fine they say to me and really they in no way should have been saying that at all because losing your period is a sign that your body isn't functioning properly you know as a female you're not you're not taking in enough calories to sustain that like bodily function so your body thinks okay what can I shut down which isn't Vital, so it turns, it sh- shuts down that reproductive function and that's no way okay. And even sort of like going to the GP, uh, I remember my mum taking me to the GP because I was so late starting my periods. They said, oh, you know, uh, if you're doing a lot of sport, a lot of exercise and you're quite, um, quite slim anyway, you might find that your periods are very light or they take a long time to start and they're irregular. And it's all things like that that just sort of like normalise it and take away the seriousness of not having a period. Like, So, yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I mean, thank you for your honesty about the kind of positivity, I guess, that you felt about it, because I um, don't currently have period and I lost my period when I first had anorexia as well. And it's almost like a gold star um yeah the eating disorder in terms of you know this is a sign that you are that you are doing well at what you're yeah. trying to do
1: um, yeah
0: and i think that's that's for me where you know my B- bmi is you know not not super low um mm. but clearly for my body it's it's not a happy place because i'm not able to do a natural function that you know a woman should have a period um yeah and it's it's scary I think to to think about the f- the way that the eating disorder sort of manipulates that for you you know mm. I think a lot of things when if you kind of have consequences based on the eating disorder they're often kind of your eating disorder twists them to be a positive and yeah. you know but it's but it's then never enough so it's not enough to not have you know to miss one period or whatever it's it's got to then be a sustained thing and I just I find it really interesting what you were saying about like coaches and GPs saying like that's kind of you know that's fine that's normal um and when you were in sort of that like athletic swimming community you know was it something that was spoken openly about in terms of not having a period was it almost like a A gold stamp there as well, or was that something that you didn't really discuss?
1: I think I think firstly, just like what you said there about sort of basically healthy looking different for everyone is is really important, and that's something that I think really needs to be addressed. That like my BMI was never like concerningly low, so it was sort of like I don't know, it's just as if it wasn't that serious, but. Obviously, for me personally, it was too low because I wasn't I wasn't having a menstrual cycle and there was a lot more going on in my body that wasn't right as well. Whereas someone else could be at the same BMI as me, but they could still be having a menstrual cycle and they could be absolutely fine. So just because that's why BMI now, I just think it's, it's sort of really when GPs sort of just turn to, G, to BMI and go, no, look, you're in the healthy range, you're okay. It's just it's such a it's such a like standard measure and it it just it can't apply to everyone and that's what i think it that's why i think needs to change yeah because that's what i experienced definitely um and then regarding sort of the other question um i i was always sort of very i didn't talk um to friends really about my period because at school i was sort of like the only person in my like friendship group who didn't sort of have periods other girls were a lot more open in talking about it so I was always like I don't know I felt like I'd be very judged in that sense if I if I said oh actually I, I don't I don't have periods Like whenever people would ask me for sanitary products and I obviously didn't have any mm-hmm. um I'd never would say it's because I don't I don't even have periods and I think um in terms of sport it is still it's it's still normalized really. I think it's we're getting better at recognising that it's not normal at all. And there's been quite a lot of talk in the media like recently, especially regarding like gymnasts, dancers and swimmers. Um but certainly when I was swimming, I yeah, I just didn't I didn't really like talking about it because I just felt like I would be judged. Um and I think as well being like being smaller than quite a lot of the other girls, I was quite late to develop, it made me feel like I stood out a bit and looked a bit different, like I looked a lot younger for my age which I didn't like at the time and when people would sort of comment on like size and shape and things like that, um, it's all things that like I didn't like and just made me feel probably insecure and contributed to that sort of like bad body image I experienced when I was younger.
0: I, I find it really interesting that like, your eating disorder was very much like, this is a positive that you don't have a period. But then it wasn't something that you wanted to kind of no. say out loud. I think that's a really interesting point. It's almost like you knew, like Lucy deep down knew, like, this isn't
1: something yeah. you want. But the eating disorder was so strong that it was like, yeah.
0: you know, keep doing this because this is what I want for you.
1: And I think that's something that I've I still experience now. Like I'm I'm in no way recovered and I'm not sort of I'm not I'm okay with saying that because I'm not like I'm getting there and I'm on that path to recovery, but I'm not there yet. And I think when I was younger, like the voices in my the voices, like the eating disorder voices in my head were so loud that they just sort of like blocked out all the sort of realistic realistic thoughts and views that I had. And I think deep down I've always known that what i what i was doing wasn't good for me and wasn't right and i think i think definitely since i started studying medicine and like i became aware of what i was doing to my body i've always known it wasn't right and i've always said to people like i could sort of be sat in like a consultation room and i could talk to someone about diet and exercise and why they need to have periods and why why you need to be exposed to estrogen but it's like that just doesn't apply to me. And that's the thing about eating disorders that I've always thought it's just so weird. Like I could sit and talk about it and like educate other people, but I just can't, it's like, I can't take my own advice. And that's just, and even now knowing the damage that I've done to my body and the the position I'm in, it's still, it's still a challenge every day to get myself to, to do what I need to do to sort of. Get myself better, and that's something that a lot of people with eating disorders talk about. They're like, they know what they're doing, they know what they're doing is wrong, but they just can't sort of do what they need to do to fix it. So it's just, it's really, it's really difficult to explain. And I think that's why talking to someone who doesn't have an eating disorder, it's like they think, Well, you know what you're doing is wrong, so you just eat more and just stop exercising. But it's like, you just, yeah. It's so hard to explain, really.
0: I'm sure you have seen me smirking (laughs) whilst you were saying that. and I completely, like, you know, everything you were just saying, I was like, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah. 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 Because I think I have had such a similar experience in that, you know, I am a registered nutritionist, I've done a degree Mm. in eating disorders. Yeah. And I do this podcast and everyone's like, come on.
1: You You know, know yeah.
0: Yeah, you know what you need to be. And yeah. That's exactly it. I know what I need to be doing. And if I was sat across from myself as, you know, my best friend or whatever, I would be saying, come on, mate. Like, you know what you need to be doing. Let's yeah. on with it. Let's do it. But uh, and I've said this quite a few times on the podcast. You know, when you have an eating disorder. For me personally, and this might be different for you, but often the reason that you're engaging in those behaviours is because you want to hurt yourself. You know, it's, it's not mm. as simple to just say like, oh, well, you know, eat more because you're not currently looking after yourself. Like, there's a reason I'm not looking after yeah. myself. And I think that is the thing that people kind of struggle to understand. Because, yeah. you know, I would hope as a normal functioning human being that you do want to take care of yourself. And I think that's why it's so easy to say to other people because often people with eating disorders as well are so caring for others. And that's yeah. why, you know, you see so many people that have had an need to sort of go into, you know, like yourself, go into the medical setting or go into therapy or whatever, because mm. they want to, they care so much for other people, but they've just not maybe got that ability to care for themselves, which I think is, is what's yeah. about recovery is finding that like self compassion and everything like that. Um, but I'm interested into your like movement into your, your medical studies and stuff was that inspired by your experience of an eating disorder or was that something that you kind of think is separate and just wanted to do that anyway?
1: I think I've I've not been one of those who's like always wanted to do medicine like some people say oh it's my calling since I was a child like it certainly wasn't mine um I think I don't think my eating disorder contributed to me wanting to do medicine but I think it's Changed my perspective on medicine since I've been studying. I think as I've become more aware of, of the fact that I have had an eating disorder for that long, it sort of so, certainly opened my eyes to like different like careers that I could see myself doing. Like I definitely, I never thought that I'd have an interest in like psychiatry, but now I'm really, I can really see myself working in like CAMS and in children's psychiatry. Just because I think so many people who've, who I've spoken to and who've helped me have their own experience of an eating disorder. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying at all that, you know, to understand eating disorders, you have to have had your own experience. But I just do think it helps a little bit. I think, I think all mental illnesses are so hard to understand if you don't experience them. Firsthand, and I'm not just talking about eating disorders. I'm talking about all all um, psychiatric illnesses, and I think that's reflected in the sense that a lot of people who who do go into like working in therapy for people struggling with eating disorders and various illnesses, they have their own stories. Um, So I think for me, I I I definitely now feel more confident in talking about my own journey. That I really want to be able to help people um, because I think a lot of the yeah, like I say, a lot of the people who I've spoken to and who I've sort of messaged and reached out to have helped me, they all have their own stories and their own experiences with eating disorders. So I would definitely like to help other people in my position now in the future.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think like you say, it's really common. Um and it's a lovely thing to kind of take, you know, what can be such a negative crippling experience and then and then help other people. I think my only uh hesitation towards it is just when people do it too quickly and yeah they maybe aren't looking after themselves before they're looking after others because you know can't pour from an empty cup and that was no. my experience and that I thought I was quite a lot better than I was when into working eating disorders and you know maybe it was a good thing because I realized oh actually there's a bit more work to do here um And sometimes you do need that realisation. But I do think that, like you say, there is something special about having that lived experience of your own that you can then use. I think it's the empathy that you can have for people around kind of understanding their thought processes um, and kind of just getting it. But then equally knowing that somebody else's experience could be very different to yours. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. And i think I think that's the thing. it is the thought processes which for someone who is struggling, it's so hard to articulate it to to even to someone like in the in the medical profession. It's just sort of saying, "Look, look, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I still want to do it." and you just I listen to myself saying it, and I just think, "What what am I saying?" But then speaking to someone who's also thought like that in the past, I just feel like they They can sort of understand it a bit better and you don't need to explain yourself because that's, that's what it's like having an eating disorder. You've got one part of your brain and you've got another part of your brain is what is certainly how I feel. And it's just like, I have to just sort of try and override the part that's telling me things which I know are wrong. Um, and I suppose that just shows how it is a psychological illness. It's not just a physical illness. They don't have eating disorders, don't have a look. They, can affect anyone and they are at the end of the day psychological illnesses yeah and I guess that's a really important bit that you've said there about that
0: stigma of them not having a look Mm -hmm. I think you could have all the education in the world but maybe still have that underlying stigma or assumption but you know having your own experience just opens your eyes a lot more to how eating disorders can present because often when you've had an eating disorder you you know you you will read about it and you will speak to other people to understand
1: their experience as well yeah and i think certainly um like i've had uh group cbt therapy for my eating disorder and there was no one in in my group that i would you'd say has that sort of stereotype look of an eating disorder like no one did and i think that just highlights how that is such a that is a small minority of people who are suffering and that you know it shouldn't it shouldn't be sort of stereotyped like that and I think that's sort of where education needs to improve that we shouldn't just be showing people these um, images of people who are at that that really far end of the spectrum who are really really suffering when you've got the you know the majority of people who don't look like that but they are still really suffering and if they don't get that help then that's the direction they're going to head in and I think I think a lot of a lot of the damage that you do to your body, you can't see. And certainly from my experience, I had no idea of the like internal damage I'd done. I was, I think I was, I was quite shocked really when I, when I realized because I thought, well, like I'm doing a degree. I'm, you know, I'm functioning day to day fine. I'm going to university. Like I look okay. So how can I be doing that much damage to my body? Um, so that just shows that they don't have a look really and that they are so different for everyone
0: yeah I think what you've just said there about you know you look okay you're doing this you're doing that I think that is honestly when it's the most dangerous Mm. because when you can function fully function um you know you can have a job you can go see friends you can engage in relationships you can do stuff you can exercise blah 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 but the internal consequences are something that you see and they are happening you know live and ready that is when things go on for the longest, because, you know, this this is absolutely my situation at the moment in that I'm fully functioning. But inside, I just try to think what's going on, but yeah. no excuse is big enough for me to not do what I normally do. So, yeah, I can absolutely be on my knees, but it's like, no, no, no you still got to exercise because yeah like what's going to happen if you don't whereas and I'm not saying in the slightest that you know being in a really critical position would be even easier because it, it would not be in the slightest but um I think it's very difficult when you don't have external factors saying to you you've got to stop um and yeah. you know, I think people that are in really critical positions still have that internal voice of you've got to carry on like that's, I think, where eating disorders are so scary, because there's there, there's no stopping. Um, you know, somebody, you know, really puts everything in to make you stop. The eating disorder will keep going until, until, well, until whatever. Um, but I guess talking about those internal consequences from from your experience and your medical experience, what are the kind of consequences of losing your period?
1: i think the the main one is like your bone health definitely um so osteoporosis is obviously something that's like talked about a lot for older people like older women especially when they've been through the menopause um not being exposed to estrogen each month um is a is a really big puts you at a much higher risk of osteoporosis um as estrogen is like a protective factor for osteoporosis so i think when you're sort of um you're in your teen years or like early 20s not being exposed to oestrogen each month means your peak bone mass is going to be a lot lower so you'll have you'll have a lot less of room um, a lot less you'll have to lose a lot less bone density to become osteoporotic and um like from my experience personally um i had i had a DEXA scan quite recently And I remember thinking, like, you know, why are they giving me this? Like, I'm 22. Like, I'm fine. I don't, I don't need this really. And I was really surprised, sort of, by the results of my DEXA scan, which my bone mass density was very low, and and that just shows like how how I had I had no idea what I was doing to my body inside because I thought I was invincible, but I wasn't. Um, So that's definitely something which is a really big risk. And then also another thing is infertility in the future and when you're sort of like you're you know 15 16 17 whatever you're not thinking about about that 10 years down the line of if you want a family if you want children all you're thinking about now is you and losing weight essentially and sort of exercising and what you're eating and so I think um sort of when that was first like mentioned to me like oh you know if you want to have a family someday you need to get your periods back it's really scary because you just don't realize that what you're doing then has such huge effects for the rest of your life so i think like infant subfertility or infertility and osteoporosis are definitely two of the 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 biggest long-term risks that um amenorrhea can have um but then there's, and then there's lots of others as well, like, you know, not having your period each month. It's just, it's, it's a sign that your body's not functioning properly and you've got those sort of like hormonal imbalances going on. And, um, it's just, it's just one of the first signs that you, you are, um, like malnourished and your body's under like high, high levels of physiological stress, which, it's not good for you at all Yeah. you know it's really
0: weird because I like you said before I know all of this but when you actually kind of hearing you say that out loud my brain was just like gosh yeah you know wow and it's I think the thing that I find so difficult is you you know like I said we know all of this and I think unfortunately because it's it's not something that kind of happens right there immediately you know it's not like you yeah. you exercise or you know and, and then you you break a bone because you're osteoporotic or you don't eat a meal and then like you kind of can't have a child there and then yeah I think because it's not instant and it's you, know, you can't see it you're just like, like you said, the word invincible. You're just like, yeah, oh, no, it's totally fine. Like, I'll, I'll be fine. And that's definitely what thought has gone through my mind is, you know, oh, you yeah. know I'll be fine because because I'm this superwoman that can sustain a job relationships, friends, also sustain an eating disorder, do all this exercise on barely any food or whatever. And it's just like, yeah, when you were talking, then it's like a reality check of it's not yeah. it's not the case and that's that's hard but then part of me is like is that a positive to have that reality check you know maybe today you're not going to do anything about it but it's almost like you're letting that thought come in and before maybe it would have just been the eating disorder like no no it's rubbish it's rubbish but then to actually be like this could possibly be something that would affect me it's almost like you're letting that
1: healthy voice come in I think I think yeah I think um in a way, like for me, that was a bit of a reality check. And I think before I had that sort of like, like that DEXA scan, although I've had blood tests which have shown that, you know, my body isn't, isn't working as it should be, I've never had that sort of like, like evidence, if you like, that, that I am causing myself a lot of damage. And I think I've always, like I said before, I've always sort of just got, no, I'm fine. Like, look, I'm fine. I'm okay, but I think sort of when when I uh, spoke to the doctor recently about that Dexa scan, it was almost like I did to think like, wow, I I've been doing this and I've had no I no idea of it really for so long, or at least I've had i would completely like clouded clouded vision if you like. Like I, I knew what I was doing wasn't right, but I had no idea that those that it was going to cause me those effects so soon. And I think because you just don't think about the long term consequences and like you know that those things can happen but you don't think they're going to happen to you sort of thing you think no I'm just I'm just trying to eat healthily and I'm just trying to exercise and it does start off with those good intentions but it just really quickly becomes something that's so bad for you and maybe it was a little bit of a wake-up call for me and it's changed the way I think slightly um, or at least sort of helped me to to realize that i need to i need to change maybe it's done that yeah i think sometimes you
0: i know you kind of need to hit rock bottom and have that shock factor um i recorded a podcast yesterday actually with andy jones and and he said that the first time that he had anorexia the thing that kind of shook him up was his kids seeing him purge and that Mm -hmm. is like the most awful imaginable thing to go through and actually if i think about my experience the thing that actually got me one of the things that got me last time was my dad saw me hiding food at the yeah and like the the sadness and shock on his face i was like oh my god like this yeah. is this is actually really having a negative impact on people um but it's difficult because often you don't want to have to get to that moment where you're like, this is, you know, we shouldn't have to get to a point where no. it's that in order to. But I don't think that's anybody's fault. I don't think that's like a service's fault or anything. I think that is the way that the eating disorder has a, a grip. Um, in the, Yeah, that It has yeah. to be something so powerful to actually override because the eating disorder is so strong.
1: And you are, you're just like, completely consumed by it or at least that's how I feel like it has such a like it still does it still does now like I can't lie it has such a strong hold on me and I think like you say about the hiding food that's something that's happened to me as well like I've hidden food in in places and like my mum's found it and and like just seeing seeing the effect it's having on my family it it re- and like people close to me it really does hurt you or at least it—it it really hurts me. And, but just because it has such a strong hold on me, it's like, it—you just can't. You're just trapped in a cycle, really. And um, sometimes, yeah, like you're right. You do need that—that wake-up call sort of thing to think like, you—you you need to sort this out, and you need to make some changes. So you said
0: that you're kind of, you know, on on the path. Of recovery yeah Actually, I think you know that for me there's no final destination I think it's a ever-evolving process um mm. but have you got your period back now or is that something that you're working towards still
1: um so I've had I've had three periods um they haven't been like like sort of your classic like four weekly regular cycles or anything but I have had Three periods um, recently, and to me that was like I think I was really really happy the first time I got it back, and I think that's that's definitely a good thing because obviously that shows that I, I do want I, I do want to recover and I do want to completely to completely get my body functioning back how it should and get my physical health back. Um, I think it's really important though. To remember that just because you have like two or three periods doesn't mean you're better and I think the first time that I sort of did get my period I was I remember saying to my mum I said look I'm fine now I'm, I'm better I'm recovered and she was, so, she was like Lucy what, what are you saying and looking back now like it's that was ridiculous to even think that because like you say it's a it's a really long-term process and I think you know in my eating disorder it's probably always going to be a part of me but I just need to get it so I can push it right to the back so it's not it's not having any interference in my day-to-day living and that's what I'm striving for to get it so it's just a tiny tiny part right at the back of my brain and it doesn't affect me in any way and I've got a long way to go to get there definitely I've still got a lot of sort of physical health problems that I need to address and that um I need to work on and sort of keeping like trying to keep having a period each month is something that shows progress and it shows that my body's restoring some of its function and um, it's something that i'm gonna i'm gonna have to continue working on um so yeah but obviously it is a sign of recovery um it's not a sign that you're recovered it's a sign that you're in the process of recovery
0: yeah thank you so much for sharing that and it's lovely to hear that that was sort of a a positive experience for you um, and I think it's so so important as well what you said about like just because you've got your period back doesn't mean that you know you're recovered or that you don't still deserve support or that you're not working yeah. or anything because I think that's often a, a thought that goes around a lot of people's head and <laughs> this is a bit of a, a silly story but um <laughs> the other day I shaved my legs and I like cut myself slightly and I sat on the bed afterwards just like you know putting my clothes back on and I stood up and there was blood on the bed and I was like okay this is it like it's back okay how are we gonna handle this and I texted my mum and I said oh my god I've got my period back and, and she was like oh you know babe that's absolutely wonderful and I was like does that mean that I don't need help anymore does that mean that I'm okay and, and she was like Hannah we all know very much like that, you know, your response to this just indicates how like how much you do need us more yeah. and you know you're not necessary there. And then obviously I realised that it was because I'd cut my leg. And it was really interesting because part of me was, you know, the eating disorder was like, oh, you know, you failed point period, yeah. like you've not got an eating disorder anymore. But part of me was like, I'm doing this. I'm yeah I'm doing this and it was really nice even though it actually wasn't my period it was really nice to to have that pride and yeah be happy about it and what you were saying there about you know not necessarily getting rid of the eating disorder forever and I think everybody can be different you know some people feel recovery and never have a eating disorder again I think my more realistic approach is that and you kind of mentioned this earlier with the two kind of voices is that Han will get so much louder, and the eating disorder will get so much quieter. Yeah, the way that I respond if an eating disorder thought comes up will be very different. It won't, yeah,
1: definitely.
0: That now it will be no, we've got other things in place that we can do to sort of navigate those situations. And I think that through recovery will really help with when things like getting a period coming back happens because. I love that you were kind of positive there because that just shows like Lucy's voice getting so much louder.
1: Yeah, you know, definitely. Older. Yeah. And I think when I was sort of like seventeen, eighteen, the odd occasion when like I had a really random sort of bleed, I wasn't happy at all. I remember I remember once I at the end of my school years I just had I had a period out of the like I had months of months of not having one. And it was like, it was like I'd failed. I thought, oh, well, this must mean I've put on weight. And like, to me, that was just a bad thing. Whereas now, when I did get it about three months ago, I didn't think about that. I just thought like, wow, I've actually, I've I've had a period. Like, I'm sort of, okay, like maybe I I can sort of, I can do this, I can recover and I am doing it. And just that difference in thought process shows sort of like, Shows how far I have come, I suppose, really. And I think it's easy to sort of, to not, to not realize how far you've come, especially when, when it is still really hard and you are, each day is still hard and you're having to challenge yourself every day. Sometimes just thinking and like looking back to where you were like a year ago, two years ago, whatever it is, um, and seeing like the changes, it is, it, it does really help you because you think, well, if I can do that, then I can do a bit more and I can do a bit more. And I can get to a point where this is just, this is, this is a thing of the past. And, um, yeah, that's what, that's where I think now I, I can see myself doing. Whereas before I, there were times where I didn't even, I didn't want to recover. I didn't want to do what I needed to do to recover. I think I, I always wanted to like, like I always wanted sort of to be, to be okay and to be free of anorexia, but. I didn't want to do what I had to do to get there. Whereas now I've accepted that I need to and that there's no other way and I'm, I'm gonna have to do it and I will do it. That literally is like groundbreaking what you just said. Like I, it might
0: seem <laughs> obvious, but it's like, oh my God, it's literally like a like a penny. It's just dropped in my brain in that. <clears throat>
1: I want to live free of anorexia, but I don't want yeah. to do what I have to, what have to do to bad. do it. <laughs> That's how I've thought for so long. It's like, I don't, I don't want to like go out with friends and not be able to have a pizza and not be able to have another drink or, you know, not be able to just have some chips when I'm fat, wherever. Like, I don't, I don't want that to be me, but it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to do the, the things I need to do to get to that point and realistically you can have therapy and you can talk and you can go through these treatment programs but the only person who can actually do it at the end of the day is you and i think that's what i struggled with so much at the beginning like i was given a meal plan and i had all these like resources about your body needs this that and and like i knew it all but i was just choosing to ignore it and i think it's taken me until quite recently to realize that it's all very well having these meal plans and having all this help and support if you're not going to actually do it so yeah and I can't say that I I enjoy it like still I'm not at the point where I can just go and choose whatever I want off of a menu because I'm not there yet but I can see myself getting there now a lot more than I could a few months ago yeah gosh if this podcast doesn't help anybody I
0: don't care because this has helped me so (laughs) So, yeah I think it's helped me as well I think it's really nice to this is why I feel so honored to do the podcast because I get to and I think I literally said this like yesterday or whatever like I get to speak to people about their experiences and you know get to learn so much information from other people that have been there or that have helped people through it um so yeah Lucy thank you so much for everything that you've said it's honestly been such a pleasure to chat to you oh thank you so yeah good luck with all the medicine and everything and and your recovery I really do wish you all the
1: best thank you yeah same to you as well definitely I think I think this is like amazing it's really helped me and I can imagine that it helps everyone who speaks to you because just sort of speaking about my experience hearing about yours it just it does help, and I think I think it's taken me a long time to realise that talking about it can be like therapy, really, like for yourself. So just thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you.
0: If you enjoyed listening today, you won't want to miss next week's episode, so be sure to subscribe. Eating disorders are crippling illnesses, but with the right support they can be recovered from. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, but if you require more support right now, please look into charities such as First Steps and Beat for support or talk to someone you trust.